Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Abgenommen bedauert. Wheat checks, rice checks, and good hot Ralston present Space Patrol. <laughs> High adventure in the wild, vast reaches of space. Missions of daring in the name of interplanetary justice. Travel into the future with Buzz Corey, Commander-in-Chief of the Space Patrol. In today's transcribed adventure, Buzz and Happy have descended into a canyon on Venus to rescue a wounded space pilot. As they reach the injured man, a flash flood roars down the river, piling water up behind the dam above them. We've got to get him out of here quickly, Happy. The water's rising fast. Once we get into the ledge, we shouldn't have any trouble carrying him to the top. It's a landslide. Press close to the van. Keep your head down. Smoking rockets. That was close. We've got to get him up the pass. There may be another landslide. Commander, look up there. Most of the ledge is swept away. We're trapped. We'll be back in just a moment with today's Space Patrol story, The Mysterious Meteor. Do you hear that, gang? That's the Terra Express train trying to get up speed on ordinary fuel. Not very speedy, is it? But now listen to that same train with super fuel in its tank. Yes, sir, that train's really traveling now because it's supercharged with super fuel. And gang, without a good breakfast, you can't go very fast either. But with super fuel in your tank, you're supercharged. Here's how Buzz Corey gets up ahead of steam in the morning. He has a good breakfast with rice checks or wheat checks, the super cereals that help to supercharge you. For taste, they're terrific. And for size, they're perfect. Because they both have that modern bite-sized design. So, gang, get off to a quick start in the morning the way Buzz Corey does. Get supercharged. Just eat a good breakfast with the checkerboard super cereals. And get them today in the red and white checkerboard packages. Rice checks. Wheat checks. <laughs> One of the 30th century's greatest achievements has been the transformation of barren desert areas on the planet Earth into rich, fertile farmlands. Buzz Happy and Major Robertson are in one of those regions now, completing inspection of a new spaceport at the Arizona city of New Arcadia, center of a thriving agricultural district. While Robbie is finishing up a few details in the city, Buzz and Happy have taken a surface car for a drive out in the country. Commander. 
Look at that, another meteor. Must be fairly low in the atmosphere. Hey, it must be a whopper, too. Wow, did you see that? It got so hot it exploded. And what a flash. It lit up the whole countryside. Quite a show. I never saw one like that before. Oh, look, there's another one. The earth must be passing through a meteor shower. Hey, it looks like it's coming right at us. When this one explodes, it ought to make quite a display. It better explode pretty quick before it hits. Hey, Commander, it looks like it's headed right for the city. Commander, it hit. It landed right in New Arcadia. Well, they're pretty deceptive, Happy. It could have struck several miles beyond. We'd better get into town. If it did land there, it'd be a terrible catastrophe. Getting close, Commander. There's a whole area roped off up there. And the people are jammed around it. Well, we'll have to stop here and get out, Happy. We can't get through the crowd with this surface car. Hey, look. There's Major Robertson. Commander, I'm glad you're here. What happened, Robbie? A meteor landed right in the middle of the park. Anybody hurt? No, by a lucky chance. But a few people got showered with dirt, and a couple of hundred got the scare of their lives. Well, how big is the meteor? It's hard to tell. Dug a crater about 20 yards wide. Meteors way down the bottom of a deeper pit, glowing and red hot. Let's get through this crowd and have a look. Right, Commander. All right, make way, please. Space patrol coming through. What a crowd. Now there she is. It looks like a huge red eye. We don't know how large it really is. Part of it's buried by the dirt that fell back into the pit. Look at the size of the crater, Robbie. A miracle that landed where it did. A very lucky miracle. Now they're bringing up the Tomo power shovel now. Well, aren't they going to wait until it cools off before they try to pull it out? Professor King wants to encourage her to make some tests. Professor King? Yes, sir. Professor James King, the meteorite expert. Hold it right there. Hold it. That's the professor shouting at the shovel operator. Professor King's been lecturing at the university here. Oh, I recognize him now. I met him a couple of years ago on Mercury. Well, apparently he's seen you. Here he comes. Commander Corey is in this most fortunate. Well, hello, Professor. Yes, it is fortunate. It could have been a terrible calamity. Exactly. If I had followed my usual custom, I would have been home in my study. But something urged me to go for a stroll. And I was only half a block from the park when this green streak roared out of the sky. I was thinking it might have killed someone. Uh, that would have been tragic, of course. But think of it. A rare meteor falling right at my feet, so to speak. Uh, Commander, do I have your permission to test it? Of course. Uh, thank you. I already examined it for radioactivity. How does it test? Well, it's rather high, but not unusually so for an object that has spent millions of years in outer space. It's not dangerous, then? Oh, no, no, except that... Right now, it's rather hot from the friction of the atmosphere. Uh, the shovel operator is going to scoop away some of the dirt so I can check its size. Would you care to watch? Of course, Professor King. Oh, by the way, this is Cadet Happy. How do you do, sir? Oh, glad to know you, Cadet. Uh, your first meteor? Well, not quite. Happy's had quite a few experiences with meteors in space. Oh, of course, of course. Now, here comes the first scoop. Get back! The meteor exploded. No, it didn't. It's still glowing. Yeah, but look at the shovel. You mean, look where it was. The huge scoop is gone. The cables are just hanging there. What could have caused it, Professor? I don't know, Commander. The meteor is hot, but not hot enough to melt a steel shovel. 
Uh, to say nothing. Been hit by the hot metal. Professor, you'd better leave that meteor alone till we get this crowd cleared away. Uh, yes, Commander, you're right. Robbie, have the local patrol keep everybody out of the park except the professor and men on official duty. Yes, sir. And professor, I suggest you get an endurium scoop on that power shovel. You'd better wait till that meteor cools off a little more. Good suggestions, Commander. I'll follow them. Uh, Robbie, put a guard around the crater. I don't know what we've got here, but this is no ordinary meteor. It's going to be a hot day, Commander. Yes, but it was cool last night. I hope the meteor has lost most of its heat. Oh, I see Professor King is already at the crater. Yeah, with his power shovel and a lot of paraphernalia, it seems. Uh, good morning, Commander. Good morning, Professor. Well, I made a few tests. What did you find out? Uh, the object has cooled considerably, although it's far too hot to touch. Well, I wouldn't advise touching it at all till we know a lot more about it. I managed to make a spectrographic analysis of it. It seems to be of ordinary meteorite composition, uh, chiefly iron and nickel. Uh, the colors show a fair percentage of cobalt, copper, magnesium, and the common gases. Well, did you find anything to account for what happened to the steel scoop? No, no, young man. Uh, there were no unusual elements present. At least none have shown up. Uh, Commander, I'd like to dig that meteor out and have it shipped to Terra for a thorough test. It might be a pretty heavy load for a spaceship. Oh, I don't think so. I was able to make some magnetic detection tests. There isn't much more of it underground. It should only weigh about uh, 500 pounds. Well, hand me that case, Happy. Before we start that endurium shovel, Professor, let's make a few simple tests. What kind of tests? We saw what happened to that hard steel last night, so I brought a few small samples of different metals. I thought we might toss them down on the meteor and see what would happen. Excellent idea. Let's go down into the crater a little farther. Fine. Well, not too close, Happy. We can hit it from here. Yes, sir. Now, here's a piece of steel. Try that first. Right, Commander. I hope my aim is good. It's gone. Vanished. Why, that fragment disintegrated. Yes. From here, it looks like it chipped a piece out of the meteorite. What'll we try next? Here's a lump of nickel, Happy. Okay. Smoking rockets, that's gone, too. Incredible. Well, Commander, if it destroys everything it touches, it well, why doesn't it just sink into the ground? Apparently, it doesn't disintegrate soil. Now, try this piece of endurium. All right, sir. Hey, nothing happened. The endurium is just lying there on top of the meteor. Well, well, now, now at least we know we can dig the meteor out with an endurium shovel. Yes, but don't forget if you're going to move that object, it'll have to be packed in an endurium box. That's right. Well, we'll uh, need a box about three feet thick on each side, uh, perhaps a little thicker, just to be sure. Good idea. Oh, I can hardly wait to get it to my laboratory on Terra so that expensive tests can be made. Well, you better not try it with any expensive instruments. Mm, it's going to be a difficult object to handle, all right. Professor, we'll leave you now. Happy and I have got to get back to local Space Patrol headquarters and clean up a few details. All right, Commander. Uh, thank you both for your help. I'll have one of my men get a truck and an endurium crate. Professor, I'd like to see you at Space Patrol headquarters before you blast off. Commander. Come in, Professor. Oh, I'll get you a chair, Professor King. <clears throat> I hope I'm not interrupting anything. No, not at all. Won't you sit down? Have any trouble with your metal-eating monster? No, it's packed in an endurium crate, with another ordinary crate around that. 
and it is now at the new Arcadia spaceport. So you're ready to go to Terra and solve the mystery. Commander, I think I have already solved it. Do you know what makes it destroy steel and nickel? Well, that meteorite will destroy any substance that it contains within itself. But how? Other meteors don't do that. Well, Dr. Rawlins and I have come to the same conclusion. We believe this meteor is matter in reverse. Matter in reverse? Yes. Uh, matter entirely foreign to our part of the universe. It may have come originally from a galaxy millions of light years away, where matter is formed in an entirely different way. But you said it appears to be iron and nickel and other substances with which we're familiar. Yes, that's how it appears. But the atomic structure of each element is, is in exact reverse. Matter in our solar system has atoms with negatively charged electrons whirling around a positive nucleus. And this meteor has a negative nucleus with positive electrons. Exactly. For years, scientists have speculated about the possibility of such matter. Now we know it exists. Perhaps whole galaxies are made of it. But I still don't see why it destroys other metals. Well, that's only half of the story, Cadet. Part of the meteor is destroyed, too, in another form of atomic explosion. The two forms of matter cancel each other out. They neutralize each other. Precisely. Atom for atom. Commander, if we can learn to duplicate that process, we're on the threshold of a new era. Excuse me, Commander. Oh, Major Robertson. Uh, yes, Robbie? I'm glad the professor's here, sir. There's been a mix-up at the spaceport. That meteor was put aboard the wrong spaceship. What? Well, there's nothing to be upset about. Freight dispatcher traced it. It's aboard a cargo ship carrying mining equipment to Venus. Hey, Commander, we have to overtake that ship. I know, Professor. Robbie, if that meteor should come in contact with a large body of iron or steel, such as a building, it would cause an explosion that would kill or injure everyone around it. We'll be back with Space Patrol in just a moment. Gang, here's the story of a cosmic surface car in trouble. Listen. The trouble, it's got nothing to go on but ordinary fuel. But you hear that? The driver's filling up the tank with some super fuel. Something's going to happen now. <laughs> Boy, that cosmic surface car is really roaring. That's because it's supercharged with super fuel. And the same is true with you, gang. What happens when you don't have a good breakfast? You're just a putt-putt. But when you fill up your tank with super fuel, man, you're supercharged. Here's how Buzz Corey does it. He eats a good breakfast with a checkerboard super cereal, rice checks, or wheat checks. Wait till you taste them, gang. Boy, are they good. Flavor galore in every crisp, bite-sized biscuit. So, gang, get going. Eat a good super cereal breakfast and get supercharged. Get the super cereals today. Rice checks, wheat checks. <laughs> While Buzz, Happy, and Major Robertson were in Arizona on the planet Earth, a strange meteor hurtled out of the sky and buried itself in the city park. Attempts to dig it up resulted in steel digging tools being disintegrated in a blinding flash. So far, only the metal endurium has resisted the strange destructive force. 
It's now believed that the meteor is composed of matter with reversed electrical charges, matter from outer space that can destroy matter as it's known in our solar system. By mistake, the Endurium crate containing the meteor was put aboard the wrong ship. Right now, Buzz and Happy are aboard the Terra 5, racing to overtake the cargo ship carrying mining equipment and the strange meteor to Venus. Happy, keep the freighter in the view scope. Yes, Commander. Hey, if he's headed for Venus City, he's losing altitude pretty fast. That's been worrying me, Hap. I'll contact him again by space phone. Menacori aboard Terra 5, calling cargo ship EC-349. Menacori to pilot Bill Craig aboard cargo ship EC-349. Craig here. Go ahead, Commander. I was just wondering why you're coming in so low. I wanted to tell you, but I've been too busy to call, Commander. I'm sure you know your business, but those Torlock Mountains aren't exactly anthills. You bet they aren't. Believe me, I'd enjoy being about three miles higher. Having trouble with your ship? Uh, yes, sir. I came into Venus atmosphere on automatic trajectory control, and the control's out of adjustment. Looks like I'm going to have to set down outside the city somewhere on repeller rain. You don't sound very worried. Should I be? Well, you know your ship. Commander, exactly what am I carrying aboard this ship? Why is everything so mysterious? I'll explain it later, Craig. I wish somebody would. All space control told me is that something was put aboard my ship by mistake you'd meet me at Venus City Spaceport and supervise its removal. We didn't want to cause you any undue alarm. The fact is, you've got something very dangerous aboard. Explosives? <laughs> Don't worry, I've hauled some pretty ticklish stuff in my day. You've never hauled anything quite like what you have aboard now. Everything will be all right if you just set her down easy. Okay, Commander. Well, look, uh, right now I don't think I can get above that Torlock range. If I can get any power out of the rockets, I'll deflect a few degrees and head up the canyon. Wow, he must be in a spot. Do you have any rocket control at all? A little. Enough to maneuver between those mountains. All right, Craig. Good luck. We'll be watching. Corey out. I hope he can reach a broad level space to set her down. I hope she does, too, Hap. Keep an eye on him through the view scope. Yes, sir. Sir, why didn't you tell him he was hauling a wild meteor? No sense wasting time explaining. He knows he has a problem. Yeah, I guess you're right, sir. He made it, Commander. Yeah, he's headed up the canyon. I guess he's okay now. Let's hope so. Dropped way down, sir. He's losing altitude. Corey aboard Terra 5, calling Bill Craig. Craig here, go ahead. How are you doing? Canyon widens out into a valley beyond Crescent Dam. I think I'll be okay when I pass there. All right, Craig. When you find a good spot, ease her down carefully. Right, sir. Craig out. Well, he's pretty cool about it, I'll say that. He's a skilled spaceman, Happy. He's going to need all the skill he's got. There's the dam up ahead. He's getting awfully close to that canyon wall. Yeah. He isn't going to clear the dam by more than a few... He... He hit the side of the hill. The ship's skimming along that shoulder. If it'll only hold together. Smoke rockets, Commander. I can't look. Did he hit the dam? Not quite. It's a bad crack up. It broke the hull open. It's hanging over a rock halfway down the side of the canyon. At least the meteor didn't explode. The seal on the endurium crate must have held fast. We'll set the ship down on that flat stretch on the other side of the dam and get to Craig as quickly as possible. Looks at that sky, there's an ammonia storm brewing. I hope it holds off until we get Craig. Hey, this climbing is no sense, Commander. This terrain is rough. Well, a few more feet and we'll be even with the top of the dam. It's 
anything yet, sir? I can see part of the wreckage from here, but no sign of Craig. Come on, Hap, we've got to hurry. Feel that wind. Wow, that storm is roaring down the canyon a mile a minute. Better work fast, Happy. Commander, look. Some of the cargo spilled out of the ship and rolled down into the water. Yes. A lot of the crates have smashed open. Hey, I hope the meteor didn't roll into the water. That looks bad. The hull is smashed right near the pilot's compartment. I hope Craig is all right. Let's work our way down into the ship. Commander, look. Isn't that a man down there at the edge of the water? It's Craig. He must have been tossed out of the ship. He sees us. He's waving. He's hurt. Come on. Hurry. Watch your step. It's steep through here. Happy, there's a ledge that slopes right down to the dam. A couple of crates stopped there. Sir, it, it, it leads right up to that ladder on the dam near the gate. Well, let's head for it. Sure lucky we trailed Craig into Venus instead of going on ahead to meet him at Venus City. All right. Hey, look at that water level. There must be a flash flood up the canyon. Smoking rockets. Nearly up to where Craig's lying. It's rising fast. You've got to get him out of there. Now take it easy climbing over that Endurium crate, Happy. That's the meteor. Hey, the seal's broken. The meteor's partway out of the crate. Well, we're in luck. Fortunately, none of those pieces of machinery came in contact with it. All right, let's climb down the face of the dam. Watch that ladder. It's going to be slippery. Have you out of here in a few minutes, Craig? Here, Happy, help me lift him to his feet. That's my right leg. I didn't mind the ship crashing, but bouncing down the mountain like a rubber ball was pretty rough. Can you put any weight on that leg, Craig? I'll try. I think I can make it. All right, put your arms over our shoulders. Rest most of your weight on us. How do we get him up over the dam, sir? Well, the tough part will be the ladder. From there on, we can work back up the ledge and zigzag to the top. Yeah, I figure I can make it with a boost now and then. All right. Start up the ladder. Okay. It's okay. I can make it. Look at that water. It's rising fast. A landslide. Press close to the dam. Keep your head down. Smoking rockets. That was close. Look at that. If you men hadn't come for me, I'd be buried under several tons of dirt right now. Let's get out of here. There could be another landslide. Commander, look up there. How are we going to get out? The landslide has swept away most of the ledge. He's right. We can get as high as a sluice gate, but from then on, it's sheer wall. Let's get up to what's left of the ledge. We'll be out of the water, at least. All right, Craig, get on the ledge. Okay. All clear. Uh, go ahead, Happy. All right, sir. Here, I'll give you a hand. Thanks. Gee, look at the water now. It's halfway up the ladder. Yeah, and look back up the canyon. It's streaming down at big waves. Commander, do you think it'll come as high as the ledge? Look at the watermark of previous floods. It comes this high because of the sluice gate. Wow. Even if the water doesn't come over the ledge... We're stuck here. If that sluice gate were only open, I could go through the spillway to the other side of the dam. There's a ladder on that side, too. I saw it coming up. How can we get it open? We can't. The control machinery is at the top of the dam. It's operated by remote control from a station far down the valley. Say, maybe they'll open the gate. By that time, it won't do us any good. See that line painted ten feet over the gate? 
The water has to reach that level before the flood warning sounds. He's right, Happy. Looks like I led you fellows into a trap. I'd only managed to get the ship over the dam. What well, isn't your fault, Craig? Well, I suppose we might as well sit down on the crates and relax. I'd be careful of my feet if I were you, Craig. Don't let the metal in your boot buckles hit that meteor. Meteor? What are you talking about? There's a meteor in that crate. That's what we were worried about. If certain metals touch it, they explode. Craig, get off that crate. Huh? But quickly, Happy. Give me a hand with that meteor. What do you mean, sir? Let's get this meteor rolling down the slope of the ledge. Into the water? No, toward the dam. If it gets up enough speed, it might crash into that sluice gate. Sure, but we'll be going fast enough to knock that gate out. Well, no, sir. We... Hey, Commander, that gate is solid steel. Exactly. Hey, solid steel, like the first power shovel scoop. Okay, Commander, I get it. Craig, get over behind that other crate. If this works, it's going to be quite an explosion. Uh, careful, Happy. Remove your cadet ring. Yes, sir. It'd be a pretty painful way to find if the meteor has platinum in it. Hey, this, this thing is sure hard to move. After we get it rolling, it won't be so bad. At least it's lighter here on Venus than it was on Earth. Watch your feet. We've got it rolling, sir. Uh, quickly now. Get behind the endurium crate. Hope it doesn't wobble off into the water. Craig, keep your head down. It worked. There's a great big hole in the sluice gate. Come on, let's get off this ledge into the spillway. Yeah, let's get through before the water does. Hey, Commander, can you see through the dam to the valley? There's our ship. Now, that's a beautiful sight. Uh, Commander, what about Professor King? What's he going to say? I'm afraid the professor will have to be content with telling another story about the big one that got away. An exciting preview of next week's thrilling Space Patrol adventure in just a moment. But first, gang, here's something that's more fun than anything you ever owned. Something that rates as the biggest value we have ever offered. Something new, different, exciting. I'm speaking of that wonderful new thrill, Space Patrol Space Binoculars. I call it a wonderful new thrill because this amazing piece of Space Patrol equipment makes it possible for you to see houses, buildings, cars, and people way off in the distance. Yes, sir. When you look through your Space Patrol space binoculars, you can see what's going on blocks and blocks away. And when you look through your space binoculars, you don't even have to hold them. No, sir. They have a strong elastic band that holds them snugly to your eyes. Makes you look like somebody from outer space. Because when you wear your binoculars, they stand out from your eyes a full three and a half inches. Now, that's right. I'm not talking about flimsy little goggles or a mask. I'm talking about real, honest-to-goodness, four-power binoculars with four pure lucite lenses. The real McCoy, in other words. Real binoculars. They're made of solid black plastic, and they have a bright red leather-like trimming that makes them look terrific. Overall, space binoculars are five inches wide, five inches long. And boy, oh boy, the fun you can have with them. You can see who's coming up the street. You can read signs way off in the distance. You can spot planes in the sky. And you can name the kinds of cars you see blocks and blocks away. And hey, when you look through the other end of your space binoculars, they smallify. Yes, sir, they do the opposite. Instead of making far-off things look close, they work the other way around. They make close things look far away. Lots of fun. Now, gang, to get a pair of these space binoculars, a pair exactly like Buzz Corey wears, do this. And, boy, you better do it quick because this offer soon ends. Just buy a box of Instant Ralston. Then, with your name and address, send 25 cents in coin and an Instant Ralston box top to Space Patrol, Box 686. 
St. Louis, Missouri. This offer good only in the USA and may be withdrawn at any time. Gang, if you don't think your space binoculars are tops, send them back and we'll return your money. The address again, Space Patrol, Box 686, St. Louis, Missouri. And now, a preview of next week's exciting Space Patrol adventure. Buzz and Happy are on the third moon of Jupiter in their spacesuits, attempting to pull Major Robertson out of a crevice into which he's fallen. Buzz has lowered Happy into the crevice where thousands of beetle-like insects are swarming, impervious to the cold and lack of atmosphere. Lower me a couple more feet, sir. Gone these bugs? That's it, sir. Loop the rope under the Major's arms, Happy. Just a minute, sir. Will I brush off some of these insects? Some of them just won't brush off. They're awful. They're on my suit, too. Yes, and all over the Major's. Commander! They're eating through our spacesuits. We've got to get the Major out of there and get back to the ship. If these insects puncture our suits, we're finished. Be sure to be with us next Saturday for the exciting story, The Moon Beetles, when Wheat Checks, Rice Checks, and Good Hot Ralston again bring you Space Patrol! High adventure in the wild, vast reaches of space. Missions of daring in the name of interplanetary justice. Travel into the future with Buzz Corey, Commander-in-Chief of the Space Patrol! Space Patrol, an original Mike Moser production starring Ed Kemmerer as Commander Corey and Lynn Osborne as Cadet Happy, was written by Lou Houston and directed by Larry Robertson. Other players were Norman Jolly, Ken Mayer, and Bela Kovach. Dick Tufel speaking. Now, don't forget to tune in next Saturday and every Saturday when Wheat Checks, Rice Checks, and Good Hot Ralston again present the new exciting Space Patrol. Be sure to see another exciting Space Patrol story on your local ABC television station. Consult your local paper for time and channel. Space Patrol comes to you transcribed from Hollywood. This is ABC Radio Network. Wheat Checks, Rice Checks, and Good Hot Ralston present Space Patrol! High adventure in the wild, vast reaches of space. Missions of daring in the name of interplanetary justice. Travel into the future with Buzz Corey, Commander-in-Chief of the Space Patrol! In today's transcribed adventure, Cadet Happy is piloting a space observatory while a scientist studies a strange phenomenon. It's an invisible force that completely destroys all matter. Right now, Buzz Corey is in Terra the Fifth, warning Happy to veer away from the force, but too late. Out of control, the space observatory whirls toward the invisible menace. Happy! Happy, can you hear me? Pull away from it! I'm trying to, sir, but the rockets don't seem to have any effect. Use full power on your starboard rockets. I am, sir, but we're caught in some sort of a whirlpool. Have hit full repeller ray. If you're caught in there, you're finished! We'll be back in just a moment with today's Space Patrol story, The Hole in Empty Space. Extra, extra, read all about it. Buzz Corey offers an official Space Patrol spaceophone set to every boy and girl on Earth. Extra, extra. Yeah, 
hear that, gang? That's right. Buzz Corey will send you a real, honest-to-goodness Space Patrol spaceophone set. Sounds just like a walkie-talkie. Looks just like the spaceophone Buzz Corey himself uses. Imagine, you can talk on it to someone a straight 50 feet away. Now, let me show you with this spaceophone right here. Calling Bob Rate. Can you hear me, Bob? I'll say loud and clear. Just like talking on the walkie-talkie in the telephone, right? Right. I call it the magic phone you can carry anywhere. Yes, sir. See how the spaceophone sounds, boys and girls? Just like a telephone. Just like a walkie-talkie. And lots of fun. Yes, sir. So send for your spaceophone set today. You get two blue and yellow plastic spaceophones. You get 50 feet of communication cord. You get a spaceophone briefing sheet. Now, here's all you do to get the entire set. Buy a box of Instant Ralston. Then, with your name and address, send 25 cents in coin and an Instant Ralston box top to Space Patrol, Box 686, St. Louis, Missouri. This offer good only in continental U.S. and may be withdrawn at any time. That's Space Patrol, Box 686, St. Louis, Missouri. The Space Patrol, with its well-trained personnel, has a very high morale. Disciplinary action is rarely necessary. In fact, a serious infraction of important regulations is so unusual that Commander Corey himself insists on a personal accounting from the man involved. Right now, Buzz is reading a report from the Commandant of the Mercury Patrol Squadron as Happy enters the central office on Terra. Commander. Yes, Happy? Lieutenant Grayson's waiting in the outer office. Oh, thanks. Ask him to come in, please. Yes, sir. Lieutenant Grayson, Commander Corey wants to see you. I'll call you when I'm through here, Happy. Yes, sir. Commander? At ease, Lieutenant. Sit down. Yes, sir. You have an exceptionally fine record. I've been looking it over, and so far I can find no explanation for your behavior of the last few hours. I'm sorry, Commander. Is that all you have to say? Except that I'm ready to take the brainograph test. Lieutenant, it shouldn't be necessary to resort to the brainograph to obtain a routine report from a space patrol officer. I realize that, sir. You returned from a routine search mission, three hours overdue and with ammunition expended, yet you refuse to offer any explanation. Those are the facts, Commander. I want a straightforward answer. Why didn't you file a report with your commanding officer? Commander, Colonel Gregory is a practical officer. He goes strictly by regulations, by routine. That's hardly a criticism, Lieutenant. I realize that, sir. But if I told Colonel Gregory what happened out there, he'd conclude that I was, well, space-happy. You're not responsible for the conclusions of your commanding officer. In all due respect, Commander, in this case, I'm not so sure. What do you mean? Something's out there in space that regulations don't cover. Commander, I want a brainograph test so I can be sure of myself, sure that my mind isn't playing tricks on me. Grayson, suppose you tell me the whole story. All right, Commander. I was about to head back for Mercury when I saw a meteor. I tracked it on the viewscope to see if it was headed toward any shipping lanes. Yes? It was still pretty big on the screen when it suddenly vanished. Exploded? No, sir, just vanished. I started after it and checked for fragments. There weren't any. It was just as though... as though the meteor disappeared into a hole in space. A hole in space? I know it doesn't make sense, but that's the only way I can describe it. Nothing showed up on the viewscope. I, I tried both the ultraviolet and infrared scanners. Nothing. What about the cosmic missiles you fired? I swung in a wide circle around the point where the meteor disappeared. Suddenly, a black spot appeared on the sun, as though a planet were between me and the sun, an eclipse. But it wasn't a planet? No, Commander. There was no planet within thousands of DUs. There was nothing, no solid object to account for that spot. Well, maybe it was on the sun itself. 
No, because it moved across the sun in relation to the movement of my ship. That's when I fired the cosmic missiles. What happened? The missiles vanished. Without an explosion? Without an explosion. Lieutenant, that's the strangest story I ever heard. You don't believe me? I didn't say that. I think your account deserves further investigation. You should have told Colonel Gregory. He'd have put me in the infirmary for mental and emotional checkup. I figured I'd get a brainograph test sooner if I risked disciplinary action. And I was right. He sent me here to Terra immediately. That isn't a very wise risk to take, Grayson. Commander, that thing in space, whatever it is, is moving. Moving toward the inner planets. Can you point out the location where you saw it? On that wall chart? Yes, sir. It was approaching the Mercury orbit on a line from the star Myra. About here, sir. How fast was it moving? It seemed to vary. But at the time, I wasn't in any condition to make accurate measurements. I thought I was going space happy for certain. Are you ready for that brainograph test? Yes, sir. And come on. Oh, excuse me, sir. Happy will you get Major Robertson? I want to run a brainograph test. Yes, sir. Oh, here's a top priority bulletin from communications, sir. A robot space freighter vanished. What do you mean, vanished? Well, it suddenly pulled off course. Two passenger ships tracked it. It swung in a wide circle, then smaller and smaller circles, and then just disappeared. Not a trace on the viewscopes. Where did this happen? Midway between Mercury and Venus, sir. On an orientation line with Myra. Lieutenant Grayson, I think we'll cancel that brainograph test. Happy? Yes, sir. Get my ship ready immediately. I'll notify Colonel Gregory that Lieutenant Grayson is assigned to temporary duty with headquarters. Thank you, sir. As astrogator aboard Terra 5. Commander, we're out beyond the point where the robot freighter vanished. Very good, Lieutenant. Happy established a zigzag course toward the sun. Yes, sir. We'll lace back and forth across the line between the sun and Myra. Reduce our velocity to 10,000 DUs. Right, sir. All view scopes negative, Commander. What's our approximate position, Grayson? In a few minutes, we'll cross the Venus orbit, sir. This is the craziest search I've ever been on, Commander. Looking for something that isn't here. It's there, all right. It just doesn't show up on any instruments. If you could have seen that meteor vanish and those missiles... Oh, wait. There's something moving across the sun. A black spot. That's it. We've located it. Now, let's be certain. Check the viewscope, Happy. Yes, sir. Does anything register? Nothing except the sun itself. Reverse rockets while I turn on the space phone, Happy. We'll hold our present position for the time being. Commander Corey and Terra 5 to Major Robertson at Space Patrol Headquarters, Terra. Commander Corey to Major Robertson. Major Robertson here. Go ahead, Commander. Robbie, we're at the Venus orbit, Sun Myra orientation. We found what we're looking for. What is it? We don't know. It's visible only as a black spot against the sun. And it definitely is not a solid object. Well, I've contacted Professor Jelka for you, Commander. He's aboard Space Observatory Number 2 off Saturn. Good. Robbie, space phone and all planets bulletin immediately. All shipping is to avoid this sector of space until further notice. Yes, Commander. All commercial, private, and space patrol ships are to evacuate this sector immediately. Roger. Well, Professor Jelka is waiting on the 150 megacycle channel, Commander. Thanks, Robbie. Corey out. Happy switch to 150 MCs. Yes, sir. Commander Corey aboard Terra 5 calling Professor Jelka aboard Space Observatory Number 2. Professor Jelka here. Go ahead, Commander. Professor, have you detected any unusual phenomenon in space the last few days in the direction of Myra? Mm, no, no, Commander. There's something out there. Now within the orbit of Venus. It's not a solid object, but it cuts off light from the sun. Well, it's possibly a cloud of gas or tiny particles. Too sharp an outline, Professor. Besides, things like meteors, cosmic missiles, and spaceships just don't disappear permanently in a gas cloud. Did you say 
disappear? Vanish completely, without an explosion or a trace. Uh, Commander, I must have a chance to study this thing at once. I think I know what it is. It's got us baffled. What is it? I call it a cycloplex. Cycloplex? I wrote a paper about it 12 years ago, purely as a theoretical idea. This is no theory. It exists. This is marvelous, Commander. With your permission, I pull the space observatory out of the orbit around Saturn and head for your present location. Good. No ordinary instruments register it. You might have some that will. Set your vector for Pluto. Where that vector crosses the orbit of Venus, you'll roughly be at our position. Thank you, Commander. I'll contact you when I'm on the vector. Good. Corey out. Well, at least there's one man in the solar system who seems to have an idea what this thing is. I hope so. But what's more important, I hope he'll know what to do about it. I've got the observatory in the view scope, sir. It's only a few DUs away. A very good time, considering. Turn on the space phone, Happy. Yes, sir. Corey aboard Terra 5, calling Professor Jelka. Jelka here. Go ahead, Commander. We've picked up the observatory in the viewscope. Have you located us? Yes, Commander, but I can detect the cycloplex. I've used several types of detection devices. You'll see the black disk against the sun in a few minutes. We'll join space locks with you and come aboard the observatory. Very good, Commander. Corey out. Grayson. Yes, sir? Well, Happy and I handle the controls. You watch that black spot. If it moves away from the sun, let me know. Right, Commander. Rest of the observatory airlock, sir. Oh, good. Stand by with magnetic holding field. Standing by, sir. Corey to Jelka. Uh, go ahead, Commander. Professor, hold your space observatory on an even vector. We're going to make contact. Yes, Commander. Apply magnetic holding field, Happy. Space lock secured, sir. Lieutenant Grayson, keep an eye on the controls. Happy and I'll enter the observatory. Yes, sir. Open the inner hatch, Happy. Press the release catch in the observatory hull. Ah, come in, Commander. This is the most thrilling moment of my life. Professor Jelka, it's about the most puzzling moment of mine. Well, this is my cadet, Happy. How do you do, Professor? How do you do? I tell you, Commander, this is a cycloplex. Just as I described it 12 years ago, they really do exist. Well, fine, Professor, but tell me, just what is a cycloplex? Well, uh, well, you might call it a hole in space. That's just the way Grayson described it. Grayson? Lieutenant Grayson, the space patrol officer who discovered it. Professor, this cycloplex has already destroyed a meteor, two cosmic missiles, and a robot spaceship. That's moving toward the inner planets. If it holds its present direction and velocity, Mars will move right into it in a few days. Ah, that would indeed be a calamity. What's the nature of this thing? What happens to objects that move into it? Well, they are transported into other dimensions. Or perhaps into a matrix of several dimensions. Well, they cease to exist in space as we know it, that's certain. Yes, for years, mathematicians have speculated on the possibility of many separate dimensions existing simultaneously. I'd like to circle around it and study it some more. For to maneuver the observatory and still manage the instruments. Well, Commander, the controls are very much like standard spaceship controls. Couldn't I work them while the professor handles the instruments? Ah, that would be splendid. All right, Happy, you maneuver the observatory. I'll go back to our ship with Grayson. We'll keep you informed as nearly as we can on the location of the cycloplex. 
men knew they're getting pretty close. I'll tell Happy to be careful. Commander Corey to Cadet Happy. Happy, here, go ahead, sir. You're veering pretty close to the cycloplex, Happy. Change your vector. The professor wants me to hold it on this heading, sir. His instruments are beginning to pick up something. Remember what happened to that robot spaceship, Cadet? But this isn't a robot. And the instruments are picking up something. We are on the verge of an exciting discovery, Commander. According to my theory... Well, right now, Professor, I'm relying on Grayson. He's had practical experience with this thing. Happy, this is an order. Pull away from the cycloplex. Yes, sir. Look at the observatory. It's whirling toward it. Happy, pull away from it. I'm trying to, sir, but the rockets don't seem to have any effect. Use full power on your starboard rockets. I am, but we're caught in some sort of a whirlpool. Pat, hit full repeller ray. If you're caught in that cycloplex, you're finished. We'll be back with Space Patrol in just a moment. Hi, gang. Space Patroller Dick Tufeld speaking from the planet Earth. Today I'm doing a man-on-the-street report. Going to see what some of these young fellas here on their way to school think about those three checkerboard super cereals, Rice Chex, Wheat Chex, and Instant Ralston. Now, here's a sharp-looking lad. Uh, say, tell me, what did you say the very first time you tried delicious Wheat Chex, that bite-sized super cereal spun out of shredded wheat? What did I say? I said... Enough said. Thank you. Now, here's a fine-looking boy. Uh, say, what do you think of Rice Chex, the bite-sized super cereal made of crisp and crunchy shredded rice? Uh, what did you say, for example, the very first time you tried it? <whistles> Thank you. That's good enough for me. And here's another young man. Tell me, what's your opinion of Instant Ralston, the hot super cereal? Man, oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. <laughs> there you are, gang. That's what these fellows think about the checkerboard super cereals, the only three official cereals of the Space Patrol. Try them yourself. You'll say the same thing. Man, oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. Get them at your grocers today in the red and white checkerboard packages. The super cereals that help to supercharge you rice checks, wheat checks, and to warm up your motor, good hot Ralston. A space patrol officer, Lieutenant Grayson, has discovered an alarming peril in outer space. An invisible force that completely destroys matter without leaving a trace. Professor Jelka, an astronomer and mathematician, says this force, which he calls a cycloplex, is actually a hole in outer space. Happy, piloting the space observatory for the professor, flew in too close to the strange force. Now the observatory is being whirled closer and closer to disaster. Meantime, Commander Corey and Lieutenant Grayson in Terror of the Fifth are trying desperately to find a way to save Happy and Professor Jelka. Happy, is your repeller ray on full? Yes, sir. All rockets on the starboard side and stern as well. The observatory is being pulled faster than ever toward the cycloplex. Jelka never should have ordered Happy to go so close. The observatories have a very low power ratio in proportion to their mass, Grayson. We can only give it a boost with our own power. You mean make magnetic contact with the observatory? Yes. Great idea, Commander. You realize what'll happen if we fail? I'm waiting your orders, Commander. And let's go. You handle a magnetic holding field, Grayson. Yes, sir. Commander, what are you doing? We're going to tow you away from the cycloplex. Don't try it, sir. There's some sort of a whirlpool effect. A vortex, the professor calls it. There are five may have enough power to pull itself and the observatory out of danger. But, sir, you can't. The sooner we act, the better chance we'll all have. Stand by for orders. Standing by, sir. We're ready to make contact, Happy. Grayson, apply magnetic holding field. Yes, sir. All right, Happy. Keep the observatory rockets on full power. Yes, sir. We're going to increase our own power slowly at first. We won't try to fight the cycloplex force too strongly. We'll cut across at a tangent, understand? Yes, Commander. Here we go. 
Is it working, Commander? I can't tell yet. Happy. Yes, sir? As I increase the ship's power, it'll put a terrific strain on the hull of the observatory. Watch for any sign of damage. I will, Commander. There's that sound again. What is it? Coming from the space phone system. Happy, do you hear it? Yes, sir. You're picking it up from the professor's instrument. He says it's caused by the cycloplex. Commander, our vector's changing. We're moving away from the cycloplex. We'll add a little more power. Happy, did the professor turn off his instrument? No, sir. Then we're free of the cycloplex, Paul. That's right, sir. We're swinging away in the other direction. Good. Wow. What a relief. Happy, we'll proceed several DUs away from this position until we're sure we're safe before we break contact. Yes, sir. Then we'll join space locks and come aboard the observatory. Got it? Yes, Commander. I'll maintain vector till further orders. Check. Corey out. Come in, Commander. How did the observatory stand up under that pole? Well, apparently quite well. Smoke and rockets, Commander. For a while there, I thought we were all going to plunge right into the core of that cycloplex. I thought so, too, Happy. Professor, did you manage to find out anything about this phenomenon? Very little. Although it did finally activate some of the instruments. Exactly what is it, this force? I can't say. Apparently, this vortex, the whirlpool effect, is some sort of an electromagnetism. And that might account for its effect on the instruments. And this whirlpool effect extends beyond the core. Yes. It draws the objects into the center if they get too close. We sure found that out. And we also know that this force is moving steadily toward Mars. We've got to get busy and do something. Is this cycloplex big enough to swallow a whole planet? What about that, Professor? Well, the core itself is fairly small. But with that vortex of force around it, it might easily demolish Mars. Certainly, it would make it unlivable. Well, how can we fight this cycloplex? Every force we know of has some other force that can oppose it. But this thing is from some other dimension, Commander. It's an intruder into our space-time system. You mean it isn't even from, from another galaxy? From another part of our space? Yes, it's completely new to us, Cadet. It's impossible to imagine dimensions beyond the three we know. Length, breadth, and thickness. Huh? Professor, you mentioned that it has some sort of magnetic effect. That's right. Suppose we could produce a powerful magnetic force to oppose it. Mm, it would take more power than any planet power system could produce. And how could we transfer it here? Professor, you've heard of Huddleston's ring, haven't you? Uh, yes. Uh, very interesting effect. What's Huddleston's ring, sir? It makes use of an effect that occurs at temperatures close to absolute zero. Oh, like those of outer space? Exactly. Extremely low temperatures, some metals become superconductors of electricity. Superconductors? They have no resistance to the flow of current. That means if a current is started in a ring made of a superconducting material, it flows indefinitely. Even when the power is cut off? Right. And if the power is constantly applied, the current builds up. It increases more and more. Oh, I see. A scientist named Huddleston has been conducting experiments with a giant ring in outer space near Jupiter. Yes. He has a laboratory spaceship in the center of the ring. Suppose that Huddleston turns the power on full, charging that ring and the magnets around it, and keeps the power on. Would it destroy the cycloplex? Mm, perhaps it would be dangerous. A magnetic force of incredible intensity would be built up. There is no telling. Professor, I want to send Huddleston's ring into that cycloplex. Under robot control, naturally. Well, Professor, do you think it would work? I don't know. But it's a challenging experiment. If it did, it would prove that electromagnetism is a force 
common to all dimensions of existence. Right now, I'm not interested in proving any theory. I want to save Mars. Happy, let's get back to Terra 5. I want to contact Huddleston. Cyclopex seems to be moving steadily toward Mars, Commander. Keep the ship moving with it, Grayson. Keep that black circle right in the center of the sun. Yes, sir. Major Robertson, Space Patrol Headquarters, Terra, calling Commander Corey aboard Terra 5. I'll take it. Happy to hand me that vector analysis, please. Here you are, sir. Corey, here, Robbie. Go ahead. We've contacted Huddleston, Commander. He's all enthused over the idea. Oh, good. How long will it take him to get the ring on the way? Does he have to convert the controls to robots? No, a robot unit was built into the ship. Huddleston's in the ring waiting for your instructions. Well, here's the procedure, Robbie. Huddleston will pull out of the orbit around Jupiter under manual control. Check. When he's on the vector, which I give you in a minute, a space patrol cruiser will pick him up in space. Huddleston will handle the ring and its slab ship by remote control until we pick it up on our view scope. Got it, Commander. Then I'll take control of the ring from that point on. Okay, Robbie. Now, here's the vector I want you to relay to Huddleston. Nothing in the view scope yet, sir. Widen the scanning arc, Happy. The lab ship may be slightly off vector. Yes, sir. Uh, Commander. Yes, Grayson. Cycloplex seems to be increasing velocity. Any change in vector? No, sir. I'll check with Professor Jelka. Corey to Jelka in observatory. Uh, Jelka here. Go ahead, Commander. Lieutenant Grayson reports an increase of velocity by the cycloplex. He's right, Commander. My calculations confirm it. Is it still heading toward Mars? Yes, Commander. Is there any possibility of its changing direction? Uh, I'm afraid its motion is unpredictable. We don't know enough about it. Well, that's all, Professor. Thank you. Commander, look at the viewscope. I never saw an image like that before. It isn't very clear, Happy. See if you can get rid of that blur. I'll try it, sir. No, sir. That's as clear as I can get it. I'll check with Robbie. Commander Corey to Major Robertson. Robertson here. Go ahead, Commander. We picked something up in the viewscope, but it doesn't look like Huddleston's ring and lab ship. You got a blurred blotch? Yes. Now, that's the ring, Commander. I've been tracking it from Jupiter. Huddleston says your screen's blur is a tremendous magnetic force. Right, Robbie. I'm ready to take over control of the ring. It's now 14.20 and 15 seconds, universal start time. Tell Huddleston the switchover will occur at 14.21. Corey out. The ring's approaching very fast, Commander. The robot control panel's ready, sir. Fine, Grayson. Have you take over our controls. Yes, sir. Grayson, feed the viewscope data into the vector computer. Yes, sir. I want to get the ring headed for the target as soon as possible after switchover. It might be hard to control if that magnetic force builds up much higher. Ten seconds to switchover. Trajectory computed, Commander. Thanks, Grayson. Five seconds. Three. Zero. Now we'll find out if we've got the ring under control. Watch the viewscope, Grayson. See if the ring turns in the new vector. It's responding, Commander. Good. It's heading straight for the cycloplex now. Nothing to do but wait and hope it works. few more seconds, we'll know. Yeah, Huddleston's ring is practically in the outer field of the vortex now. Nothing's happening, though. Wait. The blur on the lab ship seems to be dimming. It's as though the cycloplex were choking down the magnetism. Look, you can see the outline of the ring now. And the lab ship. I'm afraid it's not going to work, Commander. The power of the cycloplex is too strong. Wow, look at that. The lab ship just blew apart. The ring is still intact. The blur is building up again. Magnetic force pulled the ship apart. The ring's in the black circle now. Something's happening. It's a battle of magnetic forces. The black circle is growing smaller. It sure is. It's shrinking and rapidly. If that ring can hold up long enough, the, the cycloplex is just a black dot. It's gone. The cycloplex is gone, Commander. It worked. Whew. Look at the viewscope, man. Huddleston's ring is still there. Thanks to you, Commander. It saved a planet. It took all of us. Enter the story in our logbook, Happy. Yes, sir. What a mission to describe. 
We've just filled in a hole in empty space. Hey, uh, maybe I should make the log entry in invisible ink. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be back with an exciting preview of next week's thrilling Space Patrol adventure in just a moment. Hey, it's got things popping everywhere. It's setting the world on fire. It's even stopping traffic. What am I talking about? I'm talking about the Space Patrol Spaceophone, and I'm going to tell you how to get a set. A set complete with two spaceophones, 50 feet of communication cord, and an official briefing sheet on spaceophoning. What an offer. What an invention. The magic phone you can carry everywhere. Sounds like the walkie-talkie in the telephone. Barrels of fun. You can talk to someone standing a straight 50 feet away. Now, I'll show you with this spaceophone here. Hello, Commander Corey. Hi, Dick. Hi, gang. Aren't these spaceophones terrific? You can play Space Patrol with them just as though you were a real Space Patroller living up here on Terra. Yes, sir, gang. Your Spaceophone will look exactly like the one Space Patrollers use. Only yours will be even more terrific because they're a special model made for use on Earth alone. And good looking, too. And some blue and yellow plastic. Now don't wait. Send for your Spaceophone set today. Complete with two Spaceophones, 50 feet of cord, and a briefing sheet. Now here's all you do. Buy a box of Instant Ralston. Then with your name and address. Send 25 cents in coin and an instant Ralston box top to Space Patrol, Box 686, St. Louis, Missouri. That's Space Patrol, Box 686, St. Louis, Missouri. And now, an action preview of next week's exciting Space Patrol story. Buzz and Happy have been captured by two criminals and are aboard a relay space station near the Pluto orbit. While the criminals are removing a secret power unit, Buzz and Happy are locked in a passageway looking for some method of escape. The lights. What happened to the lights? They must have disconnected the Cosmolite power unit. They'll be coming through the passage in a minute to get us, Commander. They won't need to, Happy. Stecker has already figured out how he's going to get rid of us. How? When they get back into their ship, they're going to leave the relay station airlock open. What? In a few seconds, this passage will be a complete vacuum. Every bit of air will escape into space. Be sure to be with us next Saturday for the exciting story, The Glowworm Project, when wheat checks, rice checks, and good hot Ralston again bring you Space Patrol. And now, a special message from Commander Corey. Boys and girls, this is your commander. I'm now holding an important bottle. When empty, it's worth very little. When filled, it's the most valuable bottle in the world. I mean, when it's filled with the greatest gift one person can give to another, his own blood. America has millions of these bottles to fill, and any grown-up can fill them. So, gang, will you help me get that message across to every grown-up in the USA? Then do this. Join the Space Patrol blood boosters now. Space Patrol, an original Mike Moser production starring Ed Kemmer as Commander Corey and Lynn Osborne as Cadet Happy, was written by Lou Houston, directed by Larry Robertson. Other players were Bela Kovach, Ken Mayer, Dick Beals, and Norman Jolly. Dick Tufel speaking. Now, don't forget to tune in next Saturday and every Saturday when Wheat Checks, Rice Checks, and Good Hot Ralston again present the new exciting Space Patrol. And be sure to see another exciting Space Patrol story on your local ABC television station. Consult your local paper for time and channel. Space Patrol comes to you transcribed from Hollywood. This is ABC Radio Network.